2 Kings chapter 25. In the ninth year of his reign, in the tenth month, in the tenth day of the month, Nebuchadnezzar, the king of Babylon, came, he and all his army against Jerusalem, and encamped against it, and they built forts against it around it. So the city was besieged until the eleventh year of King Zedekiah. On the ninth day of the fourth month, the famine was so severe in the city, so that there was no bread for the people of the land. Then a breach was made in the city, and all the men of war fled by night by the way of the gate between the two walls, which was by the king's garden. Now the Chaldeans were against the city around it, and the king went by the way of the Arabah. But the Chaldean army pursued the king and overtook him in the plains of Jericho, and all his army was scattered with him. Then they captured the king and carried him up to the king of Babylon to Riblah, and they passed judgment on him. They killed Zedekiah's sons before his eyes, then put out his eyes, bound him in fetters, and carried him to Babylon. Now in the fifth month, on the seventh day of the month, which was the nineteenth year of King Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, Nebuchadnezzar, the captain of the guard, a servant of the king of Babylon, came to Jerusalem. He burned Yahweh's house, the king's house, and all the houses of Jerusalem, even every great house he burned with fire. All the army of the Chaldeans, who were with the captain of the guard, broke down the walls around Jerusalem. Nebuzaradan, the captain of the guard, carried away captive the residue of the people who were left in the city, and those who fell away, who fell to the king of Babylon, and the residue of the multitude. But the captain of the guard left some of the poorest of the land to work the vineyards and fields. The Chaldeans broke up the pillars of bronze that were in Yahweh's house, and the bases and the bronze sea that were in Yahweh's house, and carried the bronze pieces to Babylon. They took away the pots, the shovels, the snuffers, the spoons, and all the vessels of bronze with which they ministered. The captain of the guard took away the fire pans, the basins, that which was of gold, in gold, and that which was of silver, in silver. The two pillars, the one sea and the bases, which Solomon had made for Yahweh's house, the bronze of all those vessels was not weighed. The height of the one pillar was 18 cubits, and a capital of bronze was on it. The height of the capital was 3 cubits, with network and pomegranates on the capital around it, all of bronze. And the second pillar, with its network, was like these. The captain of the guard took Sariah the chief priest, Zephaniah the second priest, and the three keepers of the threshold, and out of the city he took an officer, who was set over the men of war, and five men of those who saw the king's face, who were found in the city, and the scribe, the captain of the army, who mustered the people of the land, and sixty men of the people of the land who were found in the city. Nebuzaradan, the captain of the guard, took them and brought them to the king of Babylon to Riblah. The king of Babylon attacked them and put them to death at Riblah in the land of Hamath. So Judah was carried away captive out of his land. As for the people who were left in the land of Judah, whom Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, had left, even over them he made Gedaliah, son of Ahikam, son of Shaphan, governor. Now when all the captains of the forces, they and their men, heard that the king of Babylon had made Gedaliah governor, they came to Gedaliah to Mizpah, even Ishmael, the son of Nethaniah, and Johanan, the son of Kareah, and Sariah, the son of Tanumeth, the Netophathite, and Jaazaniah, the son of the Machathite, they and their men. Gedaliah swore to them and to their men, and said to them, Don't be afraid because of the servants of the Chaldeans, 
dwell in the land and serve the king of Babylon and it will be well with you. But in the seventh month, Ishmael, the son of Nethaniah, the son of Elishama, of the royal offspring, came and ten men with him and struck Gedaliah so that he died with the Jews and the Chaldeans that were with him at Mizpah. All the people, both small and great, and the captains of the forces arose and came to Egypt, for they were afraid of the Chaldeans. In the 30, 37th year of the captivity of Jehoiachin, king of Judah, in the twelfth month, on the twenty-seventh day of the month, Evil Merodach, king of Babylon, in the year that he began to reign, lifted up the head of Jehoiachin, king of Judah, out of prison, and he spoke kindly to him, and set his throne above the throne of the kings who were with him in Babylon, and changed his prison garments. Jehoiachin ate bread before him continually all the days of his life, and for his allowance there was a continual allowance given him from the king every day a portion all the days of his life. So we've just finished the book of Second Kings, 25 chapters. And uh, in this we recount, we, we've covered the, the third and final time that Nebuchadnezzar came to the city of Jerusalem. And this time, he'd been twice before, <laughs> this time he's frustrated. He doesn't want to have to come back a fourth time and he just destroys the city. It's, it's done. He goes in, he tears down the temple. This isn't a fancy looking building. Solomon had built it around about 410 years earlier or so. This building, he didn't care, it was coming down. The king's palace was coming down. Every house burnt with fire, all the walls torn down. And they take away everyone and they just leave a handful of the very poorest people to just keep the vineyards and fields. This place is desolate. And just like the prophet Jeremiah said, when we get to Jeremiah, we're going to read some very sad things, especially in the book of Lamentations. So we've got to go through a few things just worth mentioning. The last king is King Zedekiah. He reigned 11 years. Now Zedekiah was someone that just didn't believe the prophets. He was, Jeremiah was the, the main prophet that was continually talking to Zedekiah saying, if you will serve Nebuchadnezzar, now keep in mind they were a vassal to Nebuchadnezzar, so they were already serving him. Jeremiah was saying, if you just continue to doing that, it's going to be fine. But he did not listen. Now, there's an interesting thing that you don't pick up in the Bible, but you pick it up when you read Josephus. And this, I was quite amazed when I read this. Um, Jeremiah was always prophesying to Zedekiah what was going to happen if he disobeyed. And he would say to him, you're going to be taken away to Babylon. He kept on saying that. So... The, the many prophecies came in various different usages of language, but they all were the same thing, more or less. The Lord says that, that this city is going to be exiled, it's going to be taken away to Babylon. But, in, but someone who was already in exile was Ezekiel, the prophet. Now, he prophesied a prophecy that we don't have in the Bible, but we, it's recorded in Josephus. And he prophesied that Zedekiah would never see Babylon. So Zedekiah hears these two prophecies, he hears Jeremiah, who's with him, saying, you're going to go into Babylon in exile. And he hears Ezekiel saying, you're never going to see Babylon. And he decides that these are two contradictory prophecies, and God must not be talking, that these guys must be making it all up, and he doesn't believe them. And what did we just read in this chapter? We read that the Nebuchadnezzar got his hands on Zedekiah, gouged his eyes out, and took him off to Babylon. 
So he was taken into exile, as Jeremiah said, but he never saw Babylon, just like Ezekiel said. In the New Testament, it says we should not despise prophecy. Zedekiah clearly despised prophecy. Because he didn't value the fact that God was speaking, he didn't stop to consider the prophecies. He just disregarded them. So we must, we must not disregard prophecy too. And sometimes the Lord says things which in hindsight you realize, wow, oh, you, it was exactly what the Lord said, but it was definitely nothing like what we thought. And that's often the way with the Lord. So um, what we've got here is um, three exiles. The first exile, 605, Daniel goes away. The second exile, 597, Jehoiachin and Ezekiel the prophet go away. And this chapter was the third exile, 586 BC. And in this exile, pretty much everyone goes away except for just a handful of people are left behind. Now in Deuteronomy chapter 28, it talked about all the curses that would come upon the nation of Israel if they did not follow the covenant of the Lord. And this exile, which we'll cover in much more detail in the book of Jeremiah and Lamentations, is a fulfillment of Deuteronomy 28. It's very, very sad. Now in the, in the modern Jewish mind, you know, the mind of Jewish people, they have their own calendar and they have their own you know, annual feasts and practices. But there's one day on their calendar which is called Tish B'Av, and it's the saddest day of the year, and it's the day that Jerusalem was destroyed, right here, Tish B'Av. And um, strangely, Jerusalem was destroyed again by the Roman Empire in AD 70 on, guess which day? Tish B'Av. So the two times that Jerusalem was fully besieged and fully destroyed both happened on the same day in the Jewish calendar. Now, not the same day in our calendar. We have a Gregorian calendar, which um, every year, you know, we, it's, it's kind of hard to explain concisely the difference between calendars. But the Jewish calendar is a lunisolar calendar. It's, it's based off the moon but every um, 19 years, it comes back into line with the solar calendar. They add on seven, seven years, they add on a leap month. So there are seven leap months out of 19 years just to keep it in track with, with the sun. So some years you've got 13 months, and you know that's the years with the leap months, and some years you've got 12. So the result of that is that the same day in the Jewish calendar is not always the same day in the Gregorian calendar. So you know that's the reason why every year Easter changes because it's supposed to line up with Passover and Passover isn't always on, it's always on the same kind of like a weekend but it's never on the same like, uh, you know, the same dates if you know what I'm trying to say. So it's just an example right there of the change. So um, there's one thing I wanna say here before we um, conclude and that is about the Ark of the Covenant. In this last chapter, the one we just read, it mentions how they went into the temple, they tore down the bronze pillars that Solomon had made. These bronze pillars were huge. They were like 18 cubits high with another three cubit base. These are nearly 10 meters high of brass, bronze, very heavy. So heavy they didn't even weigh them. They took them away. It says they took away the snuffers and the bowls and the dishes and, the temp and all the temple furniture. Now do you notice it doesn't say anything about the Ark of the Covenant? And people have been wondering what happened to that Ark of the Covenant because when the temple got rebuilt again, you know, 70 years after this, or a bit more than 70 years after this, there was no Ark of the Covenant. It, it was gone. 
And in Jeremiah chapter three, he actually said that the day will be coming that people will not think about the Ark of the Covenant. They will not even know what has happened to it. Uh, it will never be thought of or talked of again. Now, we do talk about it, but what Jeremiah was meaning there was it's gonna be, it's gonna be completely lost. There's gonna be no recovering it. Nobody's gonna know where it is. Now, some people think that Jeremiah got a, a word from the Lord, a prophecy, and he organized for the Ark of the Covenant to be snuck away and hidden, and that you know, at some point in the future it'll be rediscovered. Um, I don't personally hold to that line of thinking. I think that the Lord allows for certain things to be destroyed so that they don't become an idol. You, know, you imagine if we still had the cross you know, that Jesus died on. Wow, what an idol that thing would be. <laughs> well, the Ark of the Covenant, imagine if that was around. Even the Jewish temple, imagine if that was around. Oh, the people would be going and it would become bigger than God. Well, see, the Lord, he only ever used these things as their physical thing, but only as a, as a physical symbol of a much greater thing which wasn't physical. And so that's the reason why there's no Ark of the Covenant. And I'm going to talk more about the Ark of the Covenant when we get into Jeremiah and later. But it began as a symbol of the glory of God. But the glory of God was never ever a thing to be physically symbolized. It's always something that's within us. The Bible says in the New Testament that we are, uh, you know, we're, we're hidden, we're weak vessels, but in us we contain the glory of God. So there's always something that the Lord was trying to explain much greater than a physical Ark. So we're going to move on to Chronicles. And I do have a question at this point. We've been through 12 books of the Bible. Which of all the books have you found the most interesting so far? And um, I found most of them to be interesting. I struggled a little bit in Samuel. And the start of Chronicles is a little dull, <laughs> which we'll get to tomorrow. But overall, the Word of God is so fascinating, you can't believe it. And I'm so grateful to God for that. Thank you, Lord, for the book of Second Kings. I thank you, Lord, for the dealings of God, which are always so just and always so righteous, even in your judgments. And I thank you, Lord, that you don't just judge them, you judge us so that the sin is removed and so that we are purified. Lord, we welcome your judgments. And Lord, I pray you'd lift us up to a place of greater righteousness. In Jesus' name, amen.